Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game! The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the program. It is 12 minutes after 5 o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. Also, we have a feed available right now on the Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. This is your Wednesday, December the 28th, 2022 installment of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. And we are on for the full two hours tonight. Tomorrow, we do not have a program due to some bowl coverage, and then no weekday sports beat on Friday because the Irish football team will be taking part in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina. Here's the way things are going to line up on Friday. We have our pregame coverage starting at 10 a.m. with our interview game day show with Tim Growl and Jim Irizarry. Then Tyler Hork and I will host Game Day Sports Speed, powered by Michelob Ultra from 12 until 2.30. Then we have kickoff at 3.30 after the game, the official Notre Dame football postgame show. All of that right here on WSBT Radio. Notre Dame basketball also plays on Friday. They've got a 2 o'clock tip at Purcell Pavilion. That game is being shifted to our sister station, 96-1, the ton. So if you want to listen to the Irish taking on number 14, Miami, switch your radio to 96-1, the ton. Friday, Tony Simeone will have the pregame at 1.30. Game time is 2 o'clock, and the Irish are going to have to play really good basketball as Miami is a sports car right now offensively and they're the only team that has knocked off the Virginia Cavaliers so far this year so that is our schedule over the next couple of days here on WSBT radio and with the help of 96-1 the ton you've got Irish basketball against Miami Friday at two o'clock on our program this evening since this is our last chance to talk on this program about the Gator Bowl we've got 
plenty of Gator Bowl conversation to get to. I'm going to give you some numbers surrounding this game to help you understand what might happen in this matchup between the Fighting Irish and the Gamecocks. Also, we've got our Twitter question of the day. We'll talk some Notre Dame basketball. Boy, it was a rough first half to watch last night with the Irish leading Jacksonville. 21-19, the Irish missed their first 12 three-point shots, but eventually got enough going in the second half offensively to pull away and beat Jacksonville to wrap up their non-conference schedule. So we'll get to that. We got our My Five question of the day. Five things I'm hoping to see in Notre Dame's matchup with South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. And we will talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Mike Singer. And Mike and I are going to recap National Signing Day from last week, some of the top storylines. We were not on the air last week due to the holidays, so a chance to talk about the excellence that Marcus Freeman and his staff were able to do with this class, even though a couple of players of note got away, like Keon Keeley and, and on signing day, Peyton Bowen. All in all, this is a really, really, really Good class for Marcus Freeman and his staff. So we'll talk about that class and also about the possibility of a quarterback from Wake Forest possibly jumping from the transfer portal to the Golden Dome. We've got our final sports wagering segment for 2022 coming up at the end of the 6 o'clock hour, all coming up on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. All right, so let's kick the program off by spending a couple of moments here on the story we were following yesterday that unfolded during the day. The best at least statistically, throw of the football in ACC history is leaving Wake Forest to enter the transfer portal. And there's a very good chance that this guy could bring his talents to South Bend, Indiana. So there you go, a little bit of a montage of some of the great moments of Sam Hartman playing quarterback at Wake Forest, and now the wait is on. Is he going to come to South Bend? As we talked about yesterday, Pete Thamel of ESPN, he reported that Sam Hartman, the most likely destination is Notre Dame, but let's be perfectly honest. There are a lot of high-end programs that are interested in a guy 
who has thrown for almost 13,000 yards in his career, the all-time leader in ACC history in passing touchdowns with 110. 77 of those touchdown passes over the past two years. Now, he's had some hiccups with some health scares, including a blood clot in August that forced him to miss the first game of last year. We talked to Connor O'Neill, the publisher of Deacons Illustrated on the program yesterday, and I was curious. He didn't run as much this year as in past years, and Connor speculated that might have had something to do with Wake Forest protecting him after the health scare earlier in the year. He had a rib removed as well last year. But Sam Hartman can sling the football all over the place. Great touch. Can throw the deep ball very effectively. We have watched him at Wake Forest run the read option at a high level. Again, didn't run as much last year. But if you let him cut loose, he can be a difference maker running the football. He's not Tyler Buckner difference maker, but he is very, very effective. You know, the Irish brought in Jack Cohn to be their quarterback last year. He didn't have nearly the experience of Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. This is a guy who played for five years at Wake Forest. He started against Notre Dame as a freshman when Jack or Jack Cohn, when Ian Book took over as Notre Dame's starting quarterback from Brandon Wimbush. Sam Hartman is a unique player, highly sought after, and now the wait is on to see if Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese can reel in Sam Hartman. No real breaking news today on Hartman. We are just waiting to see if Hartman picks the Fighting Irish. And if you lump him in with the recruiting class Marcus Freeman is bringing in, It'll be an awesome month of December for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So we'll wait and see. Hopefully we don't have to wait too long, but there's still a pretty good list of quarterbacks out there. But of the guys left, this is the one you want. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State's intriguing. Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. Out of this world, awesome. Two years ago, out of this world awful with a new coaching staff this year. Feels like it's a chance. You're rolling the dice if you go with Armstrong. So there's some good quarterbacks left. Don't get me wrong, but Sam sure seems like the guy. If you're the Notre Dame coaching staff, this is the guy that you want. Now, I have no idea NIL and all that stuff. What goes into this? I'm sure based on some of the rumors we've heard about money being offered to players at other schools, that there's going to be some schools that are going to offer Sam a lot of money. And it's up to him to decide what's best for him. It's safe to say with NIL in play, he's going to make a whole lot more in college this year than he would as a late-round National Football League draftee. This could be a very profitable year, but for... Sam Hartman, if he picks the Fighting Irish, hopefully he is a part of a playoff team next year that has to go through Clemson, Ohio State, and USC. This feels like a schedule next year that is perfect for 2024 when the playoff expands to 12 teams. You can lose two of those games and still be right there in line 
for a spot in that 12-team playoff. You lose two next year, we're going to be talking about what bowl game the Irish are going to go to. But first things first, the decision in front of Sam Hartman. Now for the Fighting Irish football team, they can't worry about Sam Hartman right now. Their job is to put together a good performance in the Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville Friday, 3.30 kickoff against the Southeastern Conference's Gamecocks from South Carolina. Let's give you some of the numbers in this matchup. What to look for in this ball game. In this segment, I'm going to focus on the South Carolina offense taking on the Notre Dame defense. First things first, Spencer Rattler, the quarterback from South Carolina, will play in this game. Heisman hopeful two years ago at Oklahoma, benched, found a home at South Carolina. First half of the year was probably not what he and South Carolina were expecting. Late in the year, some really good things happened for this South Carolina offense led by Rattler. Here are some of the numbers. Scoring, South Carolina is averaging 31.7 points per game. That is 41st in the country. They put up 100 points over the last two games against Tennessee and Clemson. The Notre Dame defense under Al Golden in his first year taking over for Freeman. The defense giving up 21.7 points per game. That is 31st in the nation. Total offense. South Carolina amassing 381.1 yards per game. That is 74th in the country, and they are putting up those numbers without a great running game. We'll get to that in a moment. The Notre Dame defense moved all the way up to 22nd in the country in total defense, allowing 327.4 yards per ball game. I think there's a good chance Notre Dame's defense can hold up in that area against South Carolina. Now, the Gamecocks are going to rely on Rattler probably to win this football game. They're going to need him to throw the ball effectively because the run game for South Carolina does not have their top running back. He opted out. Even with him, 123.3 rushing yards per game. That is tied for 100th in the country. The Notre Dame defense, including playing Navy, a triple option attack, The defense, 45th against the run, allowing 136.8 yards per ballgame. I expect Notre Dame's number to go down in that area after playing South Carolina. Pass efficiency offense, South Carolina, 31st in the country. Notre Dame's defense in that same category is 39th. So what will the Irish be able to do with a pass rush? Isaiah Foskey, all-time sack leader in Notre Dame history, opted out of this game to prepare for the NFL draft. Where is the pass rush going to come from? It's a major question, maybe the biggest question in this game for the Fighting Irish. I think there's a looming question that's pretty big on the offensive side too, but defensively, Foskey can deliver pressure But without Isaiah, what does that front look like? What are they able to do in getting pressure on the quarterback? It could be three, four guys rotating in the Viper spot in place of Foskey. 
And it's fair to say Notre Dame might have to bring an extra blitzer in order to get the proper pressure on Rattler. I think that's really something to focus on early on in this game. Notre Dame's ability to put pressure on the quarterback, can they do that with their base pass rush? If not, Coach Golden will have to go into his bag of tricks to try to get some pressure on this South Carolina quarterback. Third down conversion percentage, South Carolina, middle of the pack in the country, 66th. They convert third downs into first downs 39.3% of the time. Notre Dame dropped off a little bit late, 52nd of the country at 36.6. South Carolina will cough up the football. As we know, Notre Dame was not great in that category most of the year. Then some turnovers started to occur late in the year. But South Carolina is tied for 121st in the country in turnovers. They coughed up the football 25 times this year. 12 fumbles and 13 interceptions. The Irish ended up tied for 108 in the country in turnovers. Remember when they were at the bottom for a good portion of the season, ended up with four fumble recoveries, nine interceptions. Thank you, Benjamin Morrison. And ended up with 13 turnovers created this season. Now we get to that sack total. South Carolina, the back end of the country in this category, they allowed 28 sacks this year. Notre Dame's defense with Foskey, 35 sacks tied for 18th in the country. If Foskey is playing advantage, Notre Dame will see if the Irish still have the advantage with Foskey watching the game. Red zone offense against South Carolina, nothing special in that category. They're middle of the pack, 65th in the country. When they get the ball inside the opponent, 20, they score 84.3% of the time. They were 43 of 51, scoring in the red zone. 24 rushing touchdowns, only 12 passing touchdowns, and seven field goals. For a team that doesn't run it very well, down in the red zone, they were able to score it 24 times. That's interesting. Notre Dame's red zone defense, one of the worst in the country, 130th. They allowed points when the opponent got inside the 20, 93.9% of the time, 31 of 33. They allowed 14 rushing touchdowns, 12 passing touchdowns, and a pretty good number, 15 field goals. So 31 of 33 is not great, but 15 of the 31 scores were field goals. South Carolina's offense, their most impressive game this year, look no further Then the game at home against the Tennessee Volunteers where they scorched the Volunteers' defense. In that ball game, which was a 63-38 win over the Vols, South Carolina put up 606 yards of total offense. Spencer Rattler, 30 of 37 for 438 yards. He had 16 touchdown passes this season. Rattler had six against Tennessee and did not throw an interception. Antoine Wells Jr., 11 catches in the ballgame for 177 yards. Jaheim Bell, five for 39 and two touchdowns. He's a running back. Ten other players 
had one or two catches in that ball game against Tennessee. Now, for an offense that does not run it extremely well, they were okay against Tennessee, which is not known for their defense being great. That was a Hooker-Hendon team that put up a lot of points on the offensive side of the football, and the Tennessee defense just tried to hold on for dear life. But in that ball game against Tennessee, South Carolina ran it 38 times for 153 yards, 4.0 yards per carry, nothing great. Okay, they had three rushing touchdowns. Bell, who had the five catches and two receiving touchdowns, ran it 17 times for 82 yards at 4.8 yards per carry. A Marine Brown, three for 39. And DeCarian Joyner, six for 21 and a couple of touchdowns. You take a look at South Carolina in their last two ball games when their offense was at their best. They put up those big performances against Tennessee and the Clemson Tigers. You look at the two ball games, you put them together, they scored 100 points in those two wins, averaging 50 points against Tennessee and Clemson. They put up 31 against the Tigers and, as I mentioned, 63 against the Volunteers. After 606 yards of total offense against Tennessee, only 341 against Clemson, but they made the most of those yards. After running at 38 for 153 against Tennessee, this is worth noting. I think Clemson's run defense, Notre Dame's run defense, in the same zip code. Clemson's better in that area, although Notre Dame ran through them. South Carolina against Clemson's front, 25 carries, 39 yards, so not much with the running game. Throwing the football after the six touchdown passes and 438 yards against Tennessee. Rattler against Clemson, 25 of 39 for 360, two touchdowns and two interceptions. So over his last two games, Rattler completed 72% of his throws, 55 of 76 for 798 yards, eight touchdowns and two interceptions. I think you can do damage against that South Carolina offensive line, but can the Irish get it done with their front getting pressure on the quarterback? Or does Al Golden have to bring pressure from elsewhere to get the amount of heat on the quarterback that he wants against South Carolina? So that's a little info on the matchup between the South Carolina offense and the Notre Dame defense. I do think this is going to be a good day for the Fighting Irish defense. And if they get pressure on the quarterback, I'll feel even better about that thought. All right, it is 5.33. Darren Pritchett with you. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up in a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program, 538 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTRadio.com. 
on the WSBT radio app and the video feed up and rolling right now on the Twitch app. How about the job that former Notre Dame defensive coordinator Mike Elko accomplished at Duke University this year? Took over the Duke job. Not an easy job to say the least, but was named the ACC Coach of the Year after leading Duke to an 8-4 and record during the regular season and today capped off a terrific season as Duke won the matchup against Central Florida in the Military Bowl. Final score, Duke 30 and Central Florida 13. So congratulations, Coach Elko, who did a terrific job here as defensive coordinator, leading the way for Clark Lee to take over, which led to Marcus Freeman and now Al Golden. So terrific job by Elko with the Duke Blue Devils. That's a basketball school going 9-4, and well-deserving of that ACC Coach of the Year honor. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So every day we ask a Twitter question of the day on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. Yesterday's question got a lot of attention, a lot of votes on this one. If Notre Dame acquires the services of Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman from the transfer portal, what does that do to your 2023 Notre Dame football expectations? Here were the three choices I gave you. Number one, it makes Notre Dame a true championship contender. Choice number two, at the very least, it puts Notre Dame in the playoff hunt. Again, a four-team playoff for another year. The third choice, a little more pessimistic, but a wait-and-see attitude. Those were the three choices. Here are the results. Coming in third place, 15.3% of the vote. Irish fans with Sam Hartman on the football team. Let's just slow down. Let's take it step by step. Let's be patient. A wait and see attitude got 15.3% of the vote. I wonder if that has something to do with the schedule that has Clemson, USC, and Ohio State on it. Second place in the voting at 23.2%, Sam Hartman makes Notre Dame truly a championship contender. But easily winning this vote, 61.6% say that Sam Hartman, if he comes to Notre Dame, it definitely puts Notre Dame in the playoff hunt. There's no doubt that is... I think the most realistic answer, although wait and see, I get that as well. Let's see how the wide receivers develop. It's awesome having a great quarterback if you get him, but you lost your number one target in Michael Mayer to the NFL draft. And the wide receiver position was like a roller coaster up and down in terms of productivity. How much did that have to do with the quarterback? I guess we'll find out together next year. But there are some things to clean up before 
You can say truly a championship contender. The Irish have to replace Isaiah Foskey. They tried on the transfer portal. It did not work out with that Western Michigan defensive lineman who chose Florida State. But no doubt, if you get Hartman, you're a team that's at least on the short list of playoff contenders, even though the schedule got some things to accomplish, some things to get done. And oh, by the way, Notre Dame will take on Wake Forest at the stadium on October the 28th. It could be a reunion for Sam Hartman if he picks the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So thank you so much for voting. Greatly appreciate it. Here is today's question and the final one for 2022. We've got the national semifinals coming up New Year's Eve, Saturday night. You got the three seed, the Horn Frogs from TCU taking on the number two seed, Michigan. And then Ohio State, somehow, some way, they're still playing after getting blown out on their home field in their final game. The Buckeyes of the four seed taking on the defending champion, the top-seeded Georgia Bulldogs. So, since you're Irish or not a part of this playoff, who are you rooting for to win the college football national championship? I just gave you your four choices. The one seed, Georgia. The two seed, the maize and blue. The three seed, TCU. And the four seed, Ohio State. Who are you rooting for to win the college football national championship? If Michigan comes in anything but fourth, something's wrong with the voting. It's been fixed. It's been rigged. We'll see how it plays out. I have a feeling TCU might be the popular choice because you don't like Michigan. You don't like Ohio State. You probably don't want to see someone repeat, so good old TCU might be the team to go with as an emergency pick. Nah, we don't have anything against TCU. Let's let's go for them. We'll find out and we'll have some results for you coming up next Tuesday when we restart Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Sports beat tonight being brought to you by our title sponsor Budweiser, the king of beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you by Pet Refuge urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings, have happy endings. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn by South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org and by Midland Engineering Company. Beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Darren Pritchett with you. Great to have you on board on this Wednesday. Coming up next, a look back at last night's very interesting Notre Dame basketball win over the Dolphins from Jacksonville. Then we'll get to the top five things I'm looking forward to in this matchup between Notre Dame and South Carolina. The Gator Bowl Friday at 3.30 right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
one question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, we're going to get to Irish basketball in a moment, but I'm going to go ahead and do our My Five right now. Ten minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Darren Pritchett with you on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Wednesday evening. The top five things that I'm hoping to see in Notre Dame's matchup with the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Gator Bowl on Friday again. If you're out and about on Friday, you can hear the ball game right here on WSBT Radio. Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris on the Notre Dame Radio Network will paint the picture for you starting Friday at 3.30. So, the five things that I'm hoping to see in Notre Dame's matchup with the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with a South Carolina thought. Does quarterback Spencer Rattler have a third straight really, really good game after helping South Carolina to demolish Tennessee 63-38 and then the 31-30 victory over Clemson? I don't think South Carolina had beaten Clemson in seven or eight tries, so a big rivalry win for the Gamecocks springboarding them into this matchup in the Gator Bowl against Notre Dame. Rattler is an intriguing guy just because he was a Heisman Trophy front runner during the 2021 season, at the very least early on in the season. Was completing 74% of his passes for Oklahoma and got sent to the Pine. 74%? Can you imagine? Well, he was replaced by Caleb Williams, who didn't last very long in Norman, now the Heisman Trophy winner at USC. But Rattler did not have a great first half of the year with South Carolina, tore apart the Tennessee defense, and was pretty good against Clemson. Hey, we know, even though Notre Dame had their way with that defense, that's a very talented front seven for Clemson. Rattler was okay in that game as well, so I'm really curious to see what he does against Notre Dame. The Irish corners finish the year strong. How about Benjamin Morrison? A great, great story. And as I mentioned earlier, the pass rush is going to look a little different. I'm curious to see the type of day Rattler has against the Fighting Irish. Four! Number four as I look for things to keep an eye on in this Notre Dame-South Carolina matchup. How many yards can the Irish run for against South Carolina? Well, this, I'm hoping, is a big number. I'm expecting it to be a big number. I would be disappointed if that number is not well over 200 yards. And I say that because, first off, The Gamecocks have proven to be a defense that does not handle the run very well this year, giving up 192 rushing yards per ball game. Notre Dame's offensive line, a little up and down late in the year, didn't get the job done against USC, not putting the game on them. I'm just saying in general, USC's defense played a whole lot better against the run than anyone expected, so credit to them. But this is a chance to end the season strong for that offensive line. Their final time working together. You've got 
the running backs ready to go. No opt-outs there. I don't expect Tyler Buckner to run the football in this game. If he does, I guess I'd be a little surprised coming off shoulder surgery. I really think Notre Dame can win this ball game by pounding South Carolina on the ground. They did not get the job done as expected against the West Coast USC, but against the East Coast USC, I think things are going to go a whole lot better for Tommy Reese's offense. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. Five things I'm hoping to see in Notre Dame's matchup with South Carolina. I'm really curious to see how Irish offensive coordinator Tommy Reese calls this game without the guy that this offense was built around, All-American tight end Michael Mayer. As you know, opted out of this game to prepare for the NFL draft. Michael Mayer rewrote the Notre Dame tight end record books. And he is a guy you can't replace. He is an all-timer. So what would this offense look like? And there's so much to take into account. Yeah, no Michael Mayer. That's a huge loss. I mean, that was Drew Pine's best buddy. Now Tyler Buckner starts at quarterback, and he does not have Michael Mayer to work with. It's interesting. Tyler Buckner did not have great offensive line play in front of him the first two games before he got hurt. Drew Pine benefited from that line getting better as the season went on. Now Buckner comes back and he doesn't have Michael Mayer, but he will have an offensive line that has taken its level of play up several notches compared to when Buckner was the starter against Ohio State and Marshall. How much are we going to see Tyler Buckner throw the football in this game? I hope it is... Just exactly what Tommy Reese wants. I don't expect the injury to hold him back other than I'd be shocked if they go with the read option with Buckner. I'm not a doctor. I'm not in the locker room. I have no idea, but I guess that's the assumption of most of us. Let's just be careful with Tyler Buckner. Plus, I want to see him throw the football. I still need to know more about Buckner's ability to throw the football at the college level. High school level out in California was pretty good against weaker competition. Injuries prevented him from showing us even more in high school. And now we go through the injury bug this season. So I still need to learn more about Tyler Buckner. Even if Sam Hartman is on the way, and we don't know that for sure, that's the hope. Just in case things don't work out, this could be your guy. So let's see what he can do in this ballgame. But how will Tommy call this game? I I guess my gut tells me it's going to be a run-oriented game, and they're going to force South Carolina to stop this running game. I'm sure they're going to try to get the ball down the field at times with Buckner. But this is a great opportunity to see what Tommy Reese can do with the deck not fully there. No Michael Mayer. And I guess going into this game, I hope it's fair to say a rusty Tyler Buckner who has not played in a game since September. Number two. Let's go back to that defensive theme from the last segment. How much pass rush will the Irish get in this game with Isaiah Foskey opting out of this game? The all-time sack leader in Notre Dame history. Are the Irish going to be able to put pressure on Spencer Rattler or is Al Golden going to have to go a couple of chapters deeper into the playbook 
and manufacture some pressures from elsewhere on his defense, which, of course, that takes one person out of coverage that you normally would have. If the Irish can get pressure with their base in this game, it's going to be a really, really good day for the Irish. That's probably the one thing on the defensive side I'm curious to see. That's why it's high on my list. Can the Irish put pressure on the quarterback with Isaiah Foskey enjoying cheeseburgers on the sideline? Number one. And more than anything else, what I'm hoping to see in Notre Dame's matchup with South Carolina in the Gator Bowl on Friday, Tyler Buckner, Tyler Buckner, Tyler Buckner. I want to see him throw the pigskin all over the place. Now, yeah, they're going to run it. They're going to run it successfully. But give me 15 to 20 Tyler Buckner throws. I just want to remember what it's like to see Buckner throw the football. And I want to see more data on what this guy can do. We need more information to try to figure out, is this a guy that is a legitimate candidate to start next year, whether Hartman's here or not? Now, if Hartman comes, I think we all know the answer to that, but I'm trying to be diplomatic, trying to be fair to everybody. But with Tyler not likely or consistently using one of his strengths, his legs, let's see what that right arm can do in this matchup against South Carolina and what he can do with a different-looking pass-catching core with Michael Mayer not in the game. So the five things I'm hoping to see in this matchup between Notre Dame and South Carolina. Can Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler have his third straight solid game? How many yards will the Irish run for against South Carolina? I hope it's in the 250s or beyond. How will Tommy Reese call the offense without Michael Mayer? How much of a pass rush will the Irish get with no Isaiah Foskey? And number one, Tyler Buckner. Let's see what he can do. It is 6 o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up, we'll talk Notre Dame basketball and what we got out of last night's win over Jacksonville. We've got Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated talking Notre Dame football recruiting and a sports wagering segment on the way. Hope you'll stick around. It's the top of the hour on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is eight minutes after six o'clock. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on this Wednesday evening. No program tomorrow due to bowl games. No program on Friday due to the Gator Bowl. But we have game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra. Friday from noon until 2.30, I'll be joined by Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka for that program. As we'll talk about the matchup in the Gator Bowl and a lot of big picture conversation involving the 2023 Fighting Irish football team. And of course, we've got the Gator Bowl for you right here on WSBT Radio at 3.30 after the game the official Notre Dame football postgame show for Irish basketball fans. Mike Bray's Irish will host number 14 Miami Friday at 2 o'clock. Normally Irish basketball right here on WSBT Radio, but the Irish football team is in action, so the Irish basketball team will be shifted to 96-1 the ton. 1.30 pregame on Friday. 
Game time for the Hurricanes and the Fighting Irish is set for 2 o'clock. Well, last night, the Irish basketball team completed their non-conference schedule. Wasn't easy. They got it done at home, beating the Dolphins from Jacksonville 59-43. to In this ballgame, Notre Dame started 0-12 for from the three-point line. So it was... Not exactly what you were looking for offensively, trying to end a three-game losing streak. The three-ball, which is a strength of this team normally, was not falling in this game. They wrapped up 7 of 27 for 25.9%, so they actually went 7 for their last 15 after the cold start. And with the three-ball not dropping, it was a low-scoring, tight first half as Jacksonville had a seven-point lead at one point of the first half. Notre Dame came back, went on a run late in the first half, and went to the locker room in front of Jacksonville, 21-19. to Jacksonville shot 29% from the field in the first half. Notre Dame was at 29%. So it was not pretty, to say the least. The offenses got going a little bit more in the second half. The Irish pulled away outscoring the Dolphins 38-24 in the second half. And Notre Dame ends their three-game losing streak. They're 8-5 as they beat Jacksonville, a very good defensive team. But offensively, they're challenged. It was a 59-43 victory for Mike Bray's fighting Irish basketball team. Well, we, we <laughs> saying you needed a win is an understatement. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, we defended they're methodical and it's going to be low scoring because the possessions are down, but I thought we were, we were better in our man to man, which is still a work in progress and we'll be ultimately challenged on, uh, on Friday. But, uh, even after the ugliest half in the history of college basketball, I don't think we really panicked and guys played and, uh, and a, and a nice night for Marcus Hammond. We, we need Marcus Hammond, uh, back in, in, in his form pre-injury. And I thought maybe, and he's been trending that way, but I thought tonight was that night, so hopefully we got him back. Well, Mike wasn't afraid to giggle at the situation. It was a tough watch in the first half with that 21-19 Irish advantage. But in the second half, it got a little better. Notre Dame shot 51% from the field, 16 of 31, 5 of 11 from the three-point line. And in this ball game, they were minus 7 rebounding, which I guess we just have to get used to at this point. That's not going to be a number that's going to be a strength for Notre Dame this year, but only seven turnovers in the ball game while Jacksonville coughed it up 17 times. J.J. Sterling, I thought, was a major positive in this basketball game. Didn't get much going in the first half, didn't score a point, wasn't hesitant in the second half, And I thought when Notre Dame got stronger offensively and built a lead last night, one of the major reasons why was Starling staying aggressive. The freshman was able to put the ball on the floor, take it strong to the rim, and get a couple of easy buckets en route to scoring all 11 of his points in the second half. But it was one of those nights that they needed a boost. It came from a freshman on a veteran basketball team. So this is a positive. And you look at the stat sheet, Starling is everywhere. 11 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists in 30 minutes of action 
and he was second on the team in plus-minus, which is the difference in points while you're on the floor. While Starling was on the floor, Notre Dame was plus 13 last night. And here is head coach Mike Bray on the play of his five-star freshman guard, J.J. Starling. What was great about, and we lost both last week, but I think J.J. Starling's getting better and more comfortable and in a good rhythm. And tonight, he doesn't make a shot in the first half. And I think a lot of guys, not, not just young guys, old guys, may be out of it. He just keeps playing. He's improved defensively. He's he's moving the ball and playing with the. I, I, I'm really, I'm excited about where where he's at. He has just been really, really good. And you know, tonight to shake off a tough half and just say I'm gonna keep playing and get my stuff. And when we can square, when he can square his shoulders and we get some cutters and we move, and he can turn a corner and get to the – I mean, we don't have anybody. He's the guy. And so – but at least we moved a little bit more before we got him in there. And I also like Marcus Hammond in this game, the transfer from Niagara. We have not seen the true Marcus Hammond so far this year. Started the year on the shelf with the MCL injury. When we saw him play at first, had the knee brace on. There's no doubt that was affecting his game and his quickness. No knee brace last night. Got more involved in the offense. Six of 11 from the field. Hit three of seven threes. 15 points, three rebounds, three assists, and zero turnovers in 24 minutes for Marcus Hammond. That was Marcus Hammond. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a scorer. I mean, he's a scorer. And, and, uh, He's really gifted, and um, Coach Slow spent some time with him today. You know, just trying. I think he was thinking too much, and and, and you know, he was thinking about the brace when he came back. And uh, he, he's really gifted, and uh, man's played a lot of basketball, so I'm I'm thrilled for him. He he deserved that, and hopefully we got him back. Well, up next for the Irish, a big time challenge: the 14th ranked Miami Hurricanes. Miami is right now rolling. They are the only team to beat Virginia. That was a 66-64 win for the Hurricanes. They've also beaten Providence 74-64, Rutgers 66-61, NC State 80-73. Their only loss November 20th to the Maryland Terrapins 88-70. They've got great guard play. So the Irish defense, they're going to have to play really, really well to keep the Canes away from the lane. So Notre Dame is 8-5. and five. They beat Jacksonville 59-43. We'll talk some Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer next on WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The WSBT radio app. And on Twitch. As Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Well, Sportsbeat enjoyed some holiday vacation time last week, so we did not have the chance to talk to Mike about National Signing Day for the Fighting Irish. So let's pick up the conversation right here, Mike, with this Notre Dame football class, Marcus Freeman and the staff on the job for a year. Of course, some of these guys were recruited by Notre Dame well over the year we're talking about. But for Freeman and his staff, Mike, you're on the beat day in and day out following these coaches trying to secure this class. Your general thoughts on the job of Marcus and his assistant coaching staff the past 365 days. 
Yeah, yeah. Quite a loaded question, Darren. There's so many different ways that, you know, I, I could go with this. But let, let's just kind of take a, a big picture look at this. This, I would give Marcus Freeman credit for signing the 2022 class. You know, Brian Kelly left, but, you know, that was Freeman and Reese. Like, they, they did a lot of the heavy lifting for that class. So when you look at last class and this one, Notre Dame's first time signing back-to-back top 10 classes since 2013-2014. That says a lot. You know, like, I think with the way that the class finished Notre Dame missing out on some guys and, you know, a couple of decommitments, I think the feeling has been for a lot of Notre Dame Nation that I've seen on social media and on our blue and gold message board has been, oh, more of the same. You know, oh, this is exactly what happened under Kelly. Yeah, except for Notre Dame did not sign back-to-back top 10 classes since 2013-14. Uh, with Brian Kelly at the helm. So I think it's a, a continued upward trajectory with Marcus Freeman. Um, I think his recruiting skills and work ethic are outstanding. Look, I, I mean, you can be such a great coach, but if you don't have the guys on the field, it's going to be hard for you to win a national championship. So Notre Dame is going to continue to recruit at a at the highest level possible, um, and, and then of course you know I hope to have the you know the best coaches to you know co- get those guys up to their potential. But recruiting is continue to be the number one priority for Notre Dame under Marcus Freeman, and I, I think they've done a, a, another you know bang up job on the recruiting trail. Think back to a year ago. National Signing Day for the 22 class. Think about, was there a position group where you said, Notre Dame's got to hit a home run in the 23 cycle at this position in order for this class to have a chance to have success and, of course, win ball games in the future? What position was it, and did the Irish hit that home run? Great question, Darren. I would say th- there's two positions. Um and that I, you, you, I, I think you have to mention both of them. You can't just go with one. It's quarterback and receiver. And I'll start with receiver when you sign um, Braylon James, who uh, is the number 121 overall player, number 20 wide receiver nationally. Jaden Greathouse, number 158 overall player nationally, number 24 wide receiver, both young men from the Austin, um, Texas area. Rico Flores, Jr., number 219 overall player, and number 30 wide receiver. And then uh, Notre Dame also signed um, Caleb Smith, a three-star receiver from the Dallas area. Darren, that is Notre Dame's first time ever, at least in the Internet era when you have all these rankings websites of Notre Dame signing three top 30 wide receivers nationally. So I would say just, again, the proof will be in the pudding. We'll, we'll yeah. see how this ends up. You know, that's not to say all oh, these rankings mean, you know, that these guys are going to pan out, but we're just looking on paper. This is Notre Dame's, you know, deepest receivers class they signed ever. So for a guy like Chancey Stuckey coming in, and there's a lot of question marks about, oh, is this, is this the right guy? You know, a couple of years ago, he wasn't even, a, he had never been a receivers coach. Um, should Notre Dame go get someone more experienced? I think that 
look, Darren, when we criticize this season this year for Notre Dame on the football field, we're not talking about the receiver. Like, we're not really diving into the receiver position like we had in years past. That room is on an upward trajectory as well as the recruiting. I mean, this was a darn good class for Notre Dame on the receiver front. Uh, and then, you know, quarterback, and not, not a five-star guy. Um, but, I mean, Kenny Minchie, people are very excited about this young man in South Bend. You know, like, no, they didn't get Dante Moore or Jackson Arnold or, um, you know, the, the young man headed to Tennessee. You know, all those five-star guys or Arch Manning. But, you know, Kenny Minchie, you know, flipping him from Pittsburgh, um, you know, in the talent that this young man has. I think Notre Dame, you know, I don't know, maybe they didn't hit a home run, but a solid triple. You know, I think they hit a triple here. So, um, job well done, you know, for Notre Dame landing Kenny Minchie and then at the receiver position. And I know, um, you know, we'll talk about Sam Hartman later, but, you know, if Notre Dame also lands him, him, now you're looking at, you know, like a five-star caliber transfer. So the, the combination of potentially Minchie and Hartman being added to the quarterback room, now that's an A+. Plus. <laughs> no question about that. Which leads me to a question – some writers I've noticed are saying we need to take a signing class and then add in who you get out of the transfer portal and make that almost, hey, this is the class that this program is bringing in. So, for example, not to confuse people, but there's another Caleb Smith now that's a wide receiver that's a transfer from Virginia Tech. And, of course, there's speculation, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, the quarterback might join the Irish. Is that a good way of looking at it? I know in the whole scheme of things, it doesn't matter, but when you analyze the roster, can you see combining those two things in order for people to understand what the coaching staff has done with this particular offseason? I don't like, I get this question a lot. It's like, oh, do transfers count, you know, count towards recruiting rankings? It's, it's totally different because you're asking a transfer to do something totally different right. than a high school recruit. Like high school recruit is, well, sometimes the, those guys can come in day one and, and make an impact, but it's a little bit more, you know, what, what, what's down the line. Whereas a grad transfer like Caleb Smith, who I'm glad you mentioned, because I, I think folks should be really excited about. I, I think like signing day, so much of the focus is on Peyton Bowen and, you know, what, what didn't end up happening for Notre Dame. But Caleb Smith committed and signed with the Irish on national sign. This is a really solid get to, to bolster the wide receiver room. Um, but it, again, so it, it, it's kind of tough to, you know, add in transfers to your, I'm sure it'll be done. And, you know, all these websites are, you know, adding new stuff, but um, yeah, I, I think when you do add in, you land Caleb Smith, I think that bolsters what Notre Dame has done um, on the recruiting trail. Spencer Schrader from USF. It's like, Oh, it's a kicker. Well, if, if this young man wins Notre Dame a football game, then it was worth it. Right. Um, and then potentially Sam Hartman, um, they were after Braden Fiske, an interior defense alignment from Western Michigan. He opted to go to Florida State, but I do still anticipate Notre Dame keeping an eye out there for just best available talent. Like going into the offseason there, and I don't think any of us were talking about Notre Dame needs desperately to land an interior defensive lineman. is more of a viper, you know, quarterback, receiver. But I think with them going after Fiske, it kind of told us that, hey, they're going to go after the best available talent. Um, so if that's a defensive lineman, great. If that's a linebacker, great. Um, you know, it, and we'll we'll still see Darren like who leaves after the bowl game. Like yeah. does Brandon Joseph declare 
um, or you know, does he want to find a new home? And then that could make Notre Dame want to you know look more closely at the safety position transfer portal. So all this, most of Notre Dame's work you know in recruiting, whether that be high school or transfer portal, is mostly done. But you still have a close on Hartman. You know, see about other transfer portal additions, and and don't forget preferred walk-ons. Notre Dame has five that we know about, but I still think they'll get some more guys. Um, you know, in, in that route. So still more work to be done for this coaching staff, for sure. He's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues on WSBT Radio. And just to close up on the quarterback conversation, I remember in October we were having talks about what's next for Notre Dame, and you kept saying, hey, you never know. There's a chance somebody's going to flip and – Sure enough, at the end of the day, Minchie left the Pittsburgh camp and, and came to Notre Dame. So it all worked out very well there. I know you always want one quarterback at least in every class. So considering where we were in October when it was a big mystery, the fact if you get Minchie along with Hartman, my goodness, that's going to turn out very well for Tommy Reese and his staff. Yeah. I, I mean, that is that's about as good as you can ask for. I mean, Darren, we had been saying for a long time that – I, I thought that Notre Dame should have taken a quarterback, you know, high school quarterback and a transfer last year for this 2022 season. They didn't, but we had been saying all fall, Darren, on, the, on this show that they should do that for, for the 2023 season. And I think on three's transfer portal rankings has Hartman as number three quarterback um, in the portal. So that would be a huge get for the fighting Irish. Um, all indications kind of are pointing towards that happening for Notre Dame. I think maybe after the bowl game, so something to keep an eye on. Um, but, I mean, you're looking at a quarterback room next year with, you know, potentially Sam Hartman, Tyler Buckner. That quarterback battle will be outstanding. Steve Angeli, who, you know, I still think very highly of, and Kenny Minchie coming in as two freshmen. Of course, still have Ron Paul. So, I think we're going to have a pretty well-stocked quarterback room now you're asking the question, does anyone transfer out of some of those young guys? Does Tyler Buckner want to be used as a Jack Cone, you know, like, like he was with Jack Cone in 2021 where he's a runner? I don't know, Darren. No, it's really fascinating stuff. So um, it's going to be a fun offseason. Well, I talked to a Wake Forest writer this week on the program, and I asked him about Sam Hartman's running ability because he didn't run much this year compared to past years, and he just speculated that the blood clot that he dealt with at the start of the season and missed the first game, he had the feeling that they probably didn't run him as much to protect him, to make sure he got through the season unscathed injury-wise. And, of course, he threw 38 touchdown passes this year for Wake Forest. But if he is able to run the football like he has in the past, Mike, Personally, I don't think you need a change-up quarterback. You've got a guy that can make all the throws. How many times have Irish fans talked about, we need to throw the ball down the field? Well, that's a specialty for Sam Hartman. So if you factor in running the, the read option, his athleticism, his accuracy, and throwing the deep ball, to me, if you get Sam Hartman, I'm not sure why we're talking about having a change-up quarterback. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to the other quarterbacks, but – Hey, this is college football. There's going to be hurt feelings along the way. You got to do what's best for your football team. And this is the type of guy that Notre Dame has needed if they get him. I think going back to Brady Quinn. Darren, I think the word gunslinger is probably a little bit overused with quarterbacks, but he's a gunslinger. Sure. Right. I mean, just look at his, his 
touchdown to interception ratio these past couple seasons. 38 touchdowns, 12 picks in 2022. Last year, 39 picks, 14, um, 14 INT. So that's 26 picks across two seasons. That's, that's a lot of interceptions. So you look at he throws a lot of touchdowns, he throws a lot of picks, and he's a pretty good athlete as well You know, when he does get outside of the pocket. I really – I wish folks would understand, like, when we throw out player comps, we're not saying well, Sam Hartman is this. It's just, like, to give you an idea of, like, the type of yeah. player, right? So Sam Hartman kind of has got a little, little Brett Favre in him, right? Like, a little backyard ball, like, chuck it downfield. He's going to, you know, make it a, an amazing throw where it's like, you should not have thrown that, but it works, so we're going to clap. But then next time out, you might make that same throw and it's picked off, you know? So – Again, he's not Brett Favre. Brett Favre's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever, you know, throw a football. But so, so you just understand we're just using that kind of as a comparison of styles. Um, but uh, he, I mean, with Jack Cohn, Darren, he didn't have the strongest arm. Like he was not going to be throwing the ball super far downfield, and he also wasn't a great athlete. Hartman is Cone with better arm talent, with more mobility, and Sam Hartman's played a lot more football than Jack Cohn did. Yeah. Jack Cohn had that Rose Bowl season at Wisconsin, you know, took him to the Rose Bowl, but he's going to play a ton at, with the Badgers before getting to Notre Dame. Sam Hartman is the ACC's all-time leading touchdown passer. So this is, like I said, a five-star type of transfer portal yet potentially for Notre Dame. I do believe that some SEC schools are wanting to make that difficult for Notre Dame, but um, from what I understand, Notre Dame should absolutely be considered the favorite to land him. And he's ran that mesh system at Wake Forest. They do it a little different. RPOs, so he seems Darren, to I, I, When you watch his, you know, kind of his highlights from this season, a lot of it is off of, you know, play action. Yeah. You know, or, you know, we call it RPO, whatever, but it's, I have faked handing the ball off, and now I'm throwing the ball down the field. Whether that's play action, RPO, that's what Notre Dame does, right? They're going if, – if your defense is going to suck up on Notre Dame's run game and now you have Sam Hartman to throw it in behind them, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, you get the combination of Audrick Estime, Logan Diggs, running behind, you know, this guy named Joe Wall in a, in a pretty good offensive line – with Sam Hartman now throwing the downfield, you know, the likes of Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey. Whew, that's pretty exciting there. This year, I think Sam would say, I like the Wake Forest wide receivers. And I'm not talking about the tight end position because that's totally different. But Wake Forest had some really, really good wide receivers. I hope we get the chance to see Sam working with this new batch of Fighting Irish wide receivers. All right, final subject. And I know we could take five hours on this, but – you even mentioned earlier in our conversation there is a probably a minority of Irish fans that are frustrated that guys like Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen were in the class and ended up not being in the class. But overall, this is a fantastic class. So to make a long story short, Peyton Bowen was in this class for a year, the safety out of Texas, a five-star. Then all of a sudden things kind of, I don't want to say spiraled out of control, but he made mentions on Twitter. Oh, there's false Perfect. stuff going on on Twitter. It's all about the best fit. Well, I don't know if that ended up being the case or not. But in a 24-hour period, Mike, he was a Notre Dame commit. 
And then at his high school, he started to put on the Notre Dame hat. He put it down, put on an Oregon hat. You saw his mom like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? And then he ends up flipping to Oklahoma where he's going to play with his high school quarterback. How did you deal with this on signing day as a reporter who has followed this guy for so long and watching how things, these are my words, it just felt like they unraveled out of control before he picked Oklahoma? Yeah, so he signed with, excuse me, committed to Oregon, right? And that was a big, big surprise. Uh, no, we didn't see that coming. Um, and then I'm just, I have Oregon's National Signing Day webpage pulled up on my second browser. It's just hit and refresh. Has he signed? <laughs> I don't care where he says he's verbally committing to. Has he signed and sent it in and the school's announced it? I, I mean, I saw other reporters, you know, put out, oh, you know, hey, sign. here's the story, Peyton Bowen signing with Oregon. No, you do not say he signed with Oregon until the school's announced it. That's the whole point of National Signing Day. <laughs> it's when they sign the letter of intent. Darren, I'll see Notre Dame Twitter accounts be like, oh, so-and-so is signed with Notre Dame. I'm like, you want me to give you a cookie? Like, the, the school hasn't announced it. It's not official. That's the whole point of the day. It's when the school announces it. I can say someone so assigned, that doesn't mean anything. I'm not the school. Rant's over. He hasn't, I mean, a couple hours go by, two, three hours go by. He hasn't signed with Oregon. It's like, what the heck is going on? Start kind of making some calls, and, and it's like, oh, Notre Dame and, and Oklahoma are still battling here. And I'll have an article at blueandgold.com, depending on when the time you listen to this or, or watch this, it's, it might, may or may not be already posted on our website, so a little bit more of the backstory here. Um, but the gist is, it was crazy. Um, he, he called both Oklahoma and, and Notre Dame and kind of said, hey, like, I, I don't want to sign with Oregon. And, um, yeah. That takes a so lot of guts to call point, Notre Dame back after you do the hat thing. I'm and disrespecting them. Oh, yeah. So, um, but at that point, yeah, he calls up both schools. And, and But it's like, we're still at the point of, all right, by the end of the night, he wanted Oklahoma. But it's still like, I'm not believing anything until I see the school tweeted out. And then, and then of course, they did the day after National Signing Day. So it was a saga, Darren, that um, I hope that I didn't put in the rearview mirror and not really have to talk about this one much. But it's going to go down in Notre Dame recruiting war. Is um, that's for sure. That was just um, that was a crazy recruitment. That's that was a crazy one. Recruiting has changed a lot. There's so many more variables involved now for these kids, the high end players, to worry about. It just feels like we're in for roller coaster rides. You are, yeah, absolutely. And look, Payne Bowen didn't ask. For, you know, everyone to follow him on Twitter or ask to follow his recruitment. Like the young man was just going through the, his recruiting process. So people going out there and slamming him and everything, like you're a grown man. Like, what are you doing? This kid's like 17, 18 years old, like making a decision that's tough. Like mom wants this school, dad wants this school. Like you got the local pool. Like it was, it was just a crazy difficult thing that you know he's, he's learning you know he has regrets i'm sure about how this all went down but um recruiting is not for the faint of heart like if you're going to be in this um to, you're following recruiting and, and then you want to go tweet out 
a response to a recruit slamming from his decision. Just delete your account. Stop following recruiting. It's just not for you. Well said. This ain't going away, Darren. This is recruiting. Like it's it's just going to get more crazy moving forward. If anything. Well, you nailed it right there. You said everything perfectly. I'll just add this: that when you do the hat thing, you open yourself up for dumb people to do dumb things. Just just dumb. pick up the Oregon hat. I, be respectful to Notre Dame. Be respectful to everybody else. Don't be cute. Just let me let me add this, Dan. Sure. If a kid has five hats on the table, one of them's Michigan, one of them's Notre Dame, and he picks up that Michigan hat and he throws it to the side and puts on Notre Dame hat. What what are all Notre Dame fans saying? I love this. Oh, there's kid. no doubt. But if it's the other way, we hate this. So just like just be fair, you know, just like understand that you're a hypocrite. You know, like Notre Dame fan, just I, I, I want to challenge you guys. Like, if you're going to challenge Peyton Bowen for something, then be upset when, you know, when Neitz Williams does the same thing, for example. You know, so just keep the same energy. Very good. All right. So we are heading toward 2023. And I know we've been talking a lot about the next class already. And you'll be keeping that conversation going for many months now at blue and gold illustrated blue and gold.com and i know you still have an offer available for irish fans yeah 10 bucks gets you access to the start of next football season and some folks might be like well why should i follow recruiting i will tell you <laughs> one it gives you a whole lot of entertainment for your off season there it's a lot of fun still over 70 to 80 percent of players who commit still do sign with that school so I mean, uh, so verbal commitments are still important, but it's important, excuse me. And also, you're a much more informed college football fan when you follow the recruitments, not only of all the Notre Dame players, but now when you watch Oklahoma, you know about Jackson Arnold and Peyton Bowen because you follow their recruitments because Notre Dame was after them. So it just makes you more of a well-informed fan and just kind of a smarter one. And you can show off with your buddies and kind of say, hey, Hey, you know that quarterback just threw a touchdown against us. Yeah, we're actually recruiting him. And he kind of—I I, just—I I personally like that. You know, when watching football, with my buddies kind of be like, you know, here, here's some of the stories on that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely entertaining. You might pull your hair out a little bit, but overall, it's, it's still fun. I do that all the time, and my favorite story—and I won't get into it today, but maybe for another day—but it involves Alex Anzalone, who now plays for the Detroit Lions. There's a mystical tie-in to Notre Dame football recruiting way back in the day. And maybe I'll share it with you off, offline sometime. Never a dull moment. He's Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike, thanks for the visit. Great job covering the class of 2023, and now it's on to 2024. And then 2025 and 26 and 27, Darren's got his hands over his face right now. I'm sure you're excited, Darren. Where's the Excedrin? And where's the grease and formula? <laughs> Got to get it ready. Mike, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Darren. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. More sports beat next on WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. All right, for the final time in 2022, we've got a sports wagering segment on Budweiser's weekday sports beat 
From Sports Radio 960 WSBT, I'm Darren Pritchett. Well, we started this segment last year and had a winning record. And in 2022, we're going to finish with a winning record once again. Going into our final suggestions, the record 244, 207, and 6, including 17 and 14 in the month of December. Let's finish strong. But before we make our picks, here is what we had last night. I went ahead and took Notre Dame basketball. Minus eight against Jacksonville at minus 110. Even though a lot of people online were taking Jacksonville, I stuck with the Irish. It worked out. We needed the Irish to win by nine. They won by 16, 59 to 43. College football bowl game last night. I took Wisconsin laying the three against Oklahoma State at minus 120. Luke Fickle's new team won by seven. We'll take the victory 24-17 in favor of the Badgers. The third suggestion from the NBA, the Pacers. Boy, if you have bet on the Pacers throughout the year, you have made a decent amount of money. One of the big surprises in the league. I went Indiana, minus two against Atlanta at minus 110. An easy win for the Pacers. They won by 15, 129 to 114. And the fourth and final suggestion from last night, the Jets at home taking on the Minnesota Wild. I took the Jets on home ice. But the Wild played an awesome game. They whooped the Jets 4-1. to one. Maybe it's picking anything with Jets in the nickname is a bad thing right now. Wild won. So 3-1 and one last night. And let's finish strong with four more suggestions tonight. Two of the games from Friday's Gator Bowl between Notre Dame and South Carolina. I'll take Notre Dame minus 2.5 against the Gamecocks. And I'm going to say under... 51 and a half total points in the matchup. Bowl game tonight, I've got Ole Miss minus three and a half against Texas Tech. And from the NHL, the New Jersey Devils will take down the Boston Bruins in the New Jersey Swamp. I'll take New Jersey on the money line at minus 115. And an underdog pick, let's go with the Wizards in the NBA on the money line against the Suns at plus 115. Budweiser's weekday sports speed has been brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend football fans. This Bud's for you. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. By South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. And by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. A reminder, no Budweiser's weekday sports beat tomorrow. Or Friday, but we do have game day sports beat Friday from noon to 2.30, leading up to a 2.30, make that a 3.30 kickoff between Notre Dame and South Carolina in the Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville. And the next Budweiser's weekday sports beat will be Tuesday starting at 5 o'clock. Have a safe new year. We'll talk to you on Friday. A little more game day sports beat here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.